0: Welcome to The Carnivore Cast, a podcast focused on the carnivore diet and lifestyle with practical advice from successful carnivores, citizen scientists, and top researchers. I'm your host, Scott Maslinski, and I'm here to speak with experts and experienced carnivores to get answers to your biggest and meatiest questions while helping you live your best life as a carnivore. If you enjoy the show, please consider supporting The Carnivore Cast on Patreon. By becoming a patron, you'll help us reach more people and continue to create content on Carnivore. There are also exclusive perks available such as private Q&As, consultations with me, and more. Become a supporter at patreon.com/carnivorecast. Check the episode description for the link. Thank you and I'll see you there. So I'm excited to announce this new sponsor and this one is for people like me who may be curious about your levels of certain nutrients and minerals. We know on a carnivore diet that the requirements for certain minerals and nutrients are different than the recommended daily amounts. And we also know that we aren't getting as much of certain minerals and nutrients. So how can you know if you're getting enough and more importantly, if you're absorbing those things? If you're taking, for instance, vitamin D or magnesium, you may want to know whether the supplement is actually doing anything, or you may just want to know how much of certain vitamins you're getting through your food. So what's one way to accurately test all of this? In this case, I'm talking about Upgraded Formulas, Upgraded Hair Test Kit, and their consultation. And I had Barton Scott on, the founder of Upgraded Formulas, to talk about this. He's fantastic. And their minerals can really help you absorb things that can vanquish those hidden deficiencies that may be affecting your thyroid, your adrenal, or other things. So check out the test and consultation at UpgradedFormulas.com. And save fifteen percent on your first purchase with the code Carnivore15 at checkout. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Max Helmer at the Low Carb Consultant on Instagram is a carnivore and an ex CrossFit owner slash trainer. After struggling with weight, yo-yo dieting, and taking ADD medication the majority of his life, which affected his diet, he's found his own journey to health. Now helps others lose fat and get healthy. Welcome
1: to the show, Max. Thanks, man. You're you're great at these intros.
0: (laughs) Thanks. Um, Yeah, about 200 episodes in, I have I have
1: practice. (laughs) (laughs) Makes sense. Makes sense.
0: But uh, no, really excited to have you here today. Um, You know, we're we're chatting back and forth a bit on on Instagram, and um, I think you have some really exciting ideas um, to share with the audience.
1: Yeah. Absolutely and I I definitely want to get into some of those things and just to give maybe your audience a little bit of a background here. <clears throat> yeah, please. On, on on myself and I think it might help just to kind of start at the beginning with my own personal journey and I'll kind of move through this as quickly as I can so we can get into some other stuff but um a lot of my I guess you could say uh battles or issues with food and weight started when I was a little kid. So first or second grade <clears throat> My parents ended up going through a pretty nasty divorce, and right around this same time frame, I was diagnosed with ADD and ADHD, and I was put on Ritalin. So I was a little kid at this point. There was a lot going on in my life, you know, young, uh, kind of an emotional time. But I was put on Ritalin from from the time I was in the on the fir- in the first or second grade, and I took that all the way up until I was in the eighth grade. And my doctor switched me when I was in the eighth grade from Ritalin to Adderall. And I took Adderall on a daily basis for the majority of my life, off and on up until I was about 29 years old. So I wow. was I was pretty heavily medicated as a little kid and throughout my, my adolescence. And just so everyone understands Ritalin and Adderall and because I think some people have these ideas of the medication, and oh, it's kind of like this limitless drug, so to speak. Or people look at it as like the study drug in college, where you know you take some Adderall, stay up all night study for an exam, right? We know tons of people that did that stuff. Um, but it can kind of create some issues with appetite. Luckily for me, it never created any disordered eating. But Adderall is a methamphetamine, right? So it certainly, <clears throat> it certainly impacts and affects your hunger and your appetite. It suppresses your appetite, right? So that also played into some of the dietary issues that I had as I kind of uh, progressed throughout my life. So what happened was little kid, parents went through divorce. I'm on Ritalin, lots, lots of things going on. My dad ends up moving out of the house. My dad ends up moving out of state. So for a big chunk of my adolescence and elementary school, I was you know, flying out to Las Vegas. He moved to Las Vegas. We were based in San Diego. So every other weekend, I was flying out to see my dad, flying back home to see my mom. So I spent weekends back and forth travel, traveling a lot. And my parents knew that this was taking a toll on me, right? Absolutely. Um, and again, I was a little kid and I was getting these, these senses of Something was wrong with me, right? Like I was maybe feeling a little bit broken because I was taking Adderall and, and and Ritalin. And how come the other kids weren't? And I had those issues going on too, for sure. But what, what was starting to happen was at the end of the day, my parents just wanted to m- me to be happy, right? And they started kind of comforting me a lot through food. So every time I'd go out see my dad, oh yeah, we're gonna get McDonald's when we pick you up from the airport, we're doing pizza tonight. Well, the same thing was happening you know, when I was at my mom's house and slowly but surely going through elementary school, I was not really eating lunch because I was medicated. My appetite was suppressed. So Mm. my mom picks me up from school. All of a sudden I'm hungry. The Ritalin wears off and I I want to go get McDonald's. I want to go get Jack in the box. And we're like, sure, let's go. Boom, 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 boom. And by the way, I just want to make sure I'm not blaming any of this on, on my parents or any of that. They just didn't know. We were just doing what the doctor was telling us. Yeah. And, you know, I was just taking the med- med- medication I was prescribed. But what was happening was because of these bad dietary habits I was getting into, by the time I hit the sixth grade, I was starting to run into some, I was I was slowly starting to put on weight, but I was starting to run into some weird, like inflammatory conditions where like I couldn't run anymore. and. Yeah, I was like a hyperactive kid, right? I was, I played literally every sport you can imagine, um, pop Warner football, T-ball, baseball, um, you know, skateboarded, rollerbladed, did all those crazy things. But I was slowly starting to put on weight and I was getting to a point in the sixth grade where like, I couldn't really run anymore. And I didn't know why, you know, we go to the doctor and he said, oh, you know, you're, you're going through growing pains. And my mom's like, okay, well, yeah, that makes sense. He's, you know, he's getting older, whatever. But by the time I got to the eighth grade, I was now like the fat kid, I guess you could say, right? I was the big kid. I had gotten chubby and it's kind of funny thinking back. I I ended up going to like a new junior high and, you know, anytime you go to a new school after elementary school, you're trying to fit in, but I was putting on weight. And so at lunch, I was eating like nachos and Funyuns and soda and continuously starting to put on weight. And I I was absolutely at the time, like the fat, the fat kid at school. And I kind of developed these, you know, defense mechanisms where, you know, my friends would joke and make fun of me kind of in a joking way, but like, you know, I would kind of joke along with them and make fun of my weight too, or, um, or like, like my man boobs or whatever the case was to kind of, uh, deflect what was really going on inside. But You know what was really going on inside was a lot of you know issues with my with my weight and you know I (laughs) it was funny thinking back I was eating nachos every single day and you know I I would wear a hat that said Nacho Man on it right I kind of took on this personality as like the funny guy so I can kind of deal with like the weight gain and 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 feeling this type of way and I remember thinking to myself like this is not who I am. Like, and going back to my mom, like, mom, like, why am I overweight? Um, you know, why am I, why, why am I fat? And she said, you know what, when we're, when we get to high school, like we're going to start playing sports. And that was literally the best thing my mom ever did for me, where she says, you know what, we're not sitting around. We're not eating like this. Um, we're not, you know, we're going to meet, we're not playing video games for four years of high school. Right, So as I transitioned from the eighth grade to the ninth grade, my mom says, pick a sport. And so my next door neighbor played water polo. And so she took me to a water polo practice and um, I fell in love with the sport. But what kind of started to happen was as I started to work out, I naturally wanted to avoid things like McDonald's, the bad food. And, and what I started to see was my weight drop. And then that's when things started to click for me, right? Because then I was like, oh, wow, you know, like you start working out, uh, you start taking care of yourself, you start feeding your body better things, you know, and and then girls start to notice you too, right? Right. And I things started to click for me where I was like, wow, you know, you start, you start exercising and taking care of your body and feeding at the right things. You know, the opposite sex starts to notice. And, you know, being like a a young kid that was just in the eighth grade, being a fat kid, and then being in the ninth grade where, you know, girls are starting to notice you, like this the light switch kind of goes off and says, like, wow, you know what? Like, I'm gonna keep doing this. And I did that all the way through high school until I got to college. Well, the problem when you get to college is, you know. You fall into a lot of other bad dietary habits, right? You're going out, you're 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 drinking, right? Uh, multiple nights a week. You're eating bad dorm food, um, you know, and then you're you're doing late night snacking and eating. So the problem when I got to college was I was starting to yo-yo diet, right? Because you know you you would start dieting for like a spring break trip, and then all of a sudden you'd put the weight back on. So looking back at my life. I I have been like in shape and then fat and then in shape and fat multiple times throughout my life especially through college like going through all these you know these periods of you know getting in shape for like a spring dr- break trip and all of a sudden like you come back and then you put on 20 or 30 pounds and then you just do the same thing every single year and that behavior also continued until I was in my mid 20s so what happened then was I was about 25, 26. My dad calls me up and just says, you know, Hey, I got some bad news. Um, I was diagnosed with, uh, lung cancer. This is my dad telling me he was diagnosed with cancer. Doctor, doctor tells me I've got 18 months to live. Like, what do you think about, you know, you and your girlfriend, you know, coming out here and, um, helping me out and taking care of me and, you know, getting some financial stuff and, you know, my estate, you know, squared away. So I was like, yeah, sure. So my girlfriend and I, at the time we moved out to Vegas to take care of him. So there was another, a lot of emotional stuff going on there as well. And of course, throughout this time, I'm you know till still taking Adderall. I have an Adderall prescription that that's all still going on, but that's when I found CrossFit and finding the finding CrossFit at the time was a big deal. So this was a, this is around 2009, 2010. And <clears throat> I kind of fell in love with CrossFit, to be honest with you, because it, it, it correlated a lot with how my personality worked, hyperactive kid, you know, CrossFit is like constantly varied functional movements performed at a high intensity. Like tons of different workout every single day. I absolutely loved it. So I ended up using CrossFit as almost like a therapy, and I ended up getting you know CrossFit Level One certified, uh, kettlebell certifica- certified. I went even I went even through like a uh, <clears throat> like a, a nutrition course with CrossFit, which you know at the time they were doing like promoting the Paleo diet and the Zone diet, some stuff like that. But like we did mobility certifications with Kelly Starrett. So CrossFit to me just became a really, really big part of my life. But what happened was my father passed away. And then within a couple months, my girlfriend, her her, at the time, who she and my girlfriend ended up becoming my, my wife, but her sister got diagnosed at 21 years old with ovarian cancer. So she moves out to Las Vegas and because I wasn't working at the time, I just got done taking care of my dad. I ended up taking care of her as well with like hospice nurses and stuff. So if you can imagine the amount of <laughs> stress just going on in that, in that short period of time, she ended up passing away shortly after. So in literally 13 months, my, my dad passed away, my sister-in-law passed away, 21 years old, and you know, my wife and I look, are looking at each other and we're thinking of, we're thinking like to ourselves, okay, life is fragile, right? Um, it's important to like pursue your passion. Well, my passion at the time was CrossFit and I was, you know, going through all these certifications and I ended up going to the owners of the gym. I was at, and I was like, Hey guys, what do you think about, let, let's open up another gym. So we op- opened up a, uh, a second CrossFit location. So the name of that gym was Sin City CrossFit, if, that, if anyone ever wants to look that up. But the gym we opened up was called Sin City CrossFit South. Great gym out in Henderson, Nevada. And I was essentially like the, the man, one of the manager's owner-operators of the gym trainers, right? So we built that gym up to about 150 clients. And it was it was a blast, right? We, we had a great time. But even through that period of time uh, of my life, the the thing with crossfit was it was always workout first diet second right so it was always trying to almost like outwork a bad diet which i think we all know and that's kind of what i yeah. preached and that's and that's what i preach today right is you can you can try right you can you can try to outwork a bad diet you will get results you can lose weight if that's the goal but it's so incredibly unsustainable. And what I was doing is I was constantly on my feet training and my diet was still not that great. Like, yes, I was in shape at the time. And, you know, I was I was the owner of the gym and training clients and, and you know, I was helping tons of people seeing great results. But the problem is with my own self, it was still a, a, an unsustainable way to live because we were still like, my wife and I would still like, you know, go out to dinner on the weekends and we were living in Las Vegas, tons of great restaurants. We were still, you know, uh, not having the greatest diet, we could have been uh, implementing in our own lives to our own selves, and I and I remember like sometimes at a five AM CrossFit class, I would go and wake up at four in the morning, go teach a five AM CrossFit class, and I could barely sit in a squat, and it wasn't because you know I, I was like out of shape or anything; it was because I had so much inflammation going on in my body and my knees that I could literally not teach like a 20 person prospect class, how to like sit down into an air squat because my wow. knees were, were just so wrecked. And basically what ended up happening was, you know, I, <clears throat> my wife and my mom came out to visit and, you know, the gym was doing good and it was successful at the time. But my wife and I were just thinking about, you know, all the stuff that we had gone through and losing my, losing my dad and her losing her sister and we were married by this time. The, the gym had opened up. We had gotten married and all that stuff. And and we were just thinking to ourselves, you know, like family's important. Let's 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 kind of move back and be closer to fa- to family. So her and I moved back to San Diego, and I moved into a silent like partnership in the gym. Essentially, I, I inevitably sold my position in the gym. But we moved back to San Diego, and I had to get it. And I had to get a job, right? I I actually had to go back into the workforce. So I ended up getting a job at a tech startup here in San Diego. And for anyone that doesn't kind of know the atmosphere of a tech startup, it's super fast paced. Yeah. Um, and I think you, you might work at a tech company as well. I, I think I might have heard you mention that another. Yeah, time. I do. Yeah. Yeah. So super fast paced, culture is big and everything, but it's kind of like a work hard and play hard environment. So the problem is I fell into like a really deep hole. Cause I'd kind of never been, I'd never experienced anything quite like that before. Right. Cause I had owned a CrossFit gym. It's a completely different atmosphere now. So now I'm in this like work hard, play hard environment where, you know, you're, you have like, you have beers at work where you know, they have kegs on tap, things like that. Right. And you're going out to, to work meetings with colleagues or lunch meetings with colleagues. You're not eating the best food. You're sometimes drinking during lunch. Um, coming back, trying to get work done. It was, I fell into a lot of really, really bad habits essentially. And I, and what also was happening was my workouts, even though we moved that back to San Diego, I joined a CrossFit gym here, but my workouts started to fall off the map as well. Right. And I started to slowly gain weight back. And I was basically trying everything that I had known up to that point to like fix it. I was starting to go to the gym more, um, tweaking things with my diet, but nothing was working. And what was also happening from, from the Adderall standpoint is now that I had moved back, I did not have an Adderall prescription anymore. So this was about 2015. I started my, my new career in sales in 2015 and I did not have Adderall anymore. And what I started to notice was like my work, especially when you're showing up to work, like, you know, you're a little hungover you are not having the best diet and you're trying to perform and do and, 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 and produce, I was having, I was having trouble. Right. And everyone around me was, was taking Adderall so they could do their job. But the guy that needed it, me didn't have an Adderall prescription anymore. So what I was starting to do was think of like, I have to make some changes. Like I have to think of a, I have to think in research ways that I can keep up. Right. And So I started doing some researching online and I come across like high fat diets and I was more so interested in finding not necessarily a diet for like weight loss, but like a diet for productivity. And I came across like high fat diets, things like that. And, you know, uh, and this, and this is still again, 2015. So I, there wasn't really a lot of information on carnivore quite yet, or a lot of ketogenic diets or low carb, but I came across like MCT oil in the coffee. Right. And I tried that. And it was an absolute game changer for me. And I was telling all my other buddies at work about it. They started doing it. They were like, wow, this this stuff, this MCT oil in the coffee like works. It feels like we're on Adderall. And from a productivity standpoint, I had felt my brain light up in a way that I had never felt before. The problem was my diet still didn't change, right? My behavior didn't, didn't change. So fast forward a bit. I get a job at another tech company, a promotion, but it's even more of the same, right? Great company, great company culture, beers on tap, fun work environment. But I fall deeper and deeper and deeper into that work hard, play hard environment. So at this point, you know, my wife was pregnant. We we uh, we had our first son in 2016. I had a new job at the time, um, and I'm in this new work environment. I'm working, staying up incredibly late, uh, working, wor- waking up in the morning, going into the office like four or five, six in the morning, working then diet is terrible. And I'm putting on weight and still the same issues are, are, are going on with, you know, going out to lunch, um, you know, eating a bad diet, drinking beers at work, you know, beers on tap, you know, that whole, that whole part of it was, was what it was. But I essentially was starting to hit like my own personal rock bottom where where now I was 50 pounds overweight. Right. And if you can imagine, like from my standpoint, like I was the CrossFit guy, right. Like I was the workout guy. A lot of my friends knew me as the CrossFit guy. A lot of my, my friends from Las Vegas who were my clients knew me as the CrossFit guy. And now I was 50 pounds overweight. Right. And I remember sitting at my desk and I was just looking down at my my gut hanging over my jeans. And I'm thinking to myself, like, how in the hell did I let myself get to this point? And it wasn't just like the weight. I was having trouble like thinking, doing work. Right. I was having trouble. I was breaking out in weird skin issues and rashes, you know, especially when I had like really ultra-processed foods. Or like you know, I would drink like an IPA. I would break out. I bought jeans, right? I bought jeans that were like like a couple extra sizes or belt loops like higher. Like I went from like a thirty four to a thirty six pair uh, of jeans. Like I was going to Costco and buying these big flannel jackets because I was so embarrassed, essentially, of what I had become. And I and I had this kind of come to Jesus moment where I was just like. this this isn't me. This isn't what I was supposed to become. This isn't what I was like destined to be here, you know? And at that time I was just like, I can't do this anymore. Like I, I've got a son, you know, I have to set a good example. And so I just slowly started making some changes. Um, I started, you know, I, I started walking during lunch, um, instead of, you know, having lunch during normal normal uh, working times, I would just go and uh, you know go for a walk, come back, have lunch at my desk, work there. But the problem was, I still haven't found, I still never found the diet that quite clicked. And this is where I started to become desperate. To be honest with you, I was going back and I was trying vegan. I tried Whole 30. I tried the Paleo diet. Um, I tried Tim Ferriss's, uh, slow carb, right. Which I did at one point in Vegas. And I actually ended up that worked out well for me, but because my gut and microbiome changed so much, you know, I tried that slow carb diet and it's just meat and veggies and beans as a carbohydrate source. And it was, it created so much gastrointestinal issues for me, like uh, bloating digestion. And I was just like, what is going on? Nothing is working. I couldn't lose the weight. I was getting incredibly frustrated, and then I came across carnivore, and I had heard about it on a couple different. Um, I had I had heard about it on a couple different podcasts. You know, of course, like there was uh, carnivore MD Paul Saladino and Sean Baker, who's you know who's since then. This is this was back in 2018. Now he's like blown up essentially, but I was like, you know what? Nothing's working. I'm gonna get I'm gonna give this a shot. So I basically transitioned into an OMAD, like keto uh I would say carnivore-ish type of diet, where I basically ate OMAD steak and eggs for a year. But it was the like the most transformative year of my entire life because the second I made that transition, it was within maybe a month. I started losing weight. I lost I eventually lost all the weight. Um, I could think. I could be productive at work. Um, the the way the, the the amount of positivity, optimism, happiness, like the way that my brain, my brain and the way that I thought and my outlook out on life completely switched, flipped, did a 180. 10 out of 10, everything. And I think back to some of the guests you've had on that have had this kind of realization. And Brett, the thankful carnivore comes to mind where it was just like night and day difference. And I found, finally found, like not just the way that I was designed to eat or I felt like I was designed to eat, but I started, the more I did research while I was doing the diet, like podcast after podcast after podcast, I started to slowly understand that, you know what, this is actually the way that human beings were meant to eat like a more species appropriate diet. Sure. It can be keto or carnivore or low carb, whatever it is, or you can have veggies, whatever it is, but a whole foods based approach with taking out all of the ultra processed foods and and sugar, what it did for my brain, especially being a kid that felt broken his entire life, right? That felt like he was inadequate or not enough or not smart because I had to go, you know, during lunchtime, go to the office and take, you know, medication so I could, you know, work the second half a of day of, in school. It was the first time in my life, being 30 years old, realizing that, you know what, Th- this is it. This is the diet. This is the way that we were designed to eat. And um, fast forward now, you know, four years later, you know, I, I play around with all of these variations and that's kind of how I look at these diets, right? I, I don't technically like to use the word diet, um, because that's how we, we, we do categories a lot, a lot of these things, but I look at the, these as tools, right? Whether you're keto, you're keto ish, you're carnivore, you're carnivore ish, or you want to include some veggies. That's fine. Whatever works for you in your life, I think they're all really, really good tools to have in your tool belt. But what I've noticed is, you know, after a year of doing steak and eggs and one meal a day, and by the way, the reason why I love the diet so much, it was so convenient, right? That was the best part about eating this way that I try to like tell people and, and help people understand is the, the, the fact that you almost are liberated and, and free of food and you're not hungry, you're not constantly hungry. And you can go the entire day, not think about food, go home and have steak and eggs with with your, your wife and kids. Your body slowly moves down and recalibrates to the body, to the weight it's supposed to be at. But your day does not revolve around food. It was absolutely the most convenient diet I had ever done in my entire life. What ended up happening though, is you know my wife gets pregnant with a, a second ba- baby. I get into other things. And so I naturally started to Utilize all these different low carb variations as my life changed. I started to implement things back in, as to add a little bit more variety, right? And so that's kind of, you know, fast forward. That's where I'm at now with helping people. And it does. You, you we can do a low carb diet. We can do a carnivore diet. We can do keto. For me, it's whatever is going to work best for that person and that individual and that point in time in their life based off what they want, what they, what they want to do, what they want to accomplish. But I also take into consideration and I, and I set the expectation up front with the individual that, you know what, you can try carnivore for six months, but let's, let's kind of start talking about what's, what we need to do when you, when you potentially start wanting to add foods back in, because you're not going to be on the same diet for the rest of your life. Your life's going to change. Your life's going to throw you curveballs um, things like that. And what I really want to help people do is navigate all these different low carb variations, whether it's keto, whether it's carnivore, whatever it is, and make those large, low carb variations work so they can eat sustainably for the rest of their life. And that's basically where I'm at right now.
0: Thanks to buy optimizers for sponsoring the show. And I'm really excited to tell you guys about an excellent deal they're offering this November. This is the biggest blowout deal they will be offering all year, so if there's a time to stock up, it is now. What they're offering is over $200 worth of free gifts and a huge discount all month long on their Magnesium Breakthrough product. Their Magnesium Breakthrough is a full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress relief, better sleep, and mental health all in one bottle. They're offering all sorts of awesome free gifts and products worth over $200 with select purchases. All month long, they're offering 10% off using my unique code. And you can only get this exclusive deal through my link, special for you listeners. You won't find it on Amazon or even the Optimizer's website. Go to magnesiumbreakthrough.com slash carnwar and use code carnwar to get your discount and free gifts today. Thanks so much and have a great day. Yeah, it's an incredible journey, and thank you for sharing that, Max. And I guess how um, with with carnivore now, do you how has your kind of macro viewpoint on our entire food system shifted? Um, How do you think about that differently?
1: So yeah, that's a that's a really good question, and I think if I'm looking maybe five years, ten years down the road with how I consult with people what I ultimately want to get to is helping people better understand that this is this is like a much bigger thing right this is this is has, has a lot more to do with than just being keto right or just eating strict carnivore or or being on an animal based diet i think from a thriving perspective yes that's going to help everybody for sure but i think the bigger thing is is understanding what is in our food right? What a lot of these food manufacturers put in their food in terms of preservatives, sugar, hidden additives, things like that, the marketing that goes in um, behind a lot of these products, right? And I think what people don't understand is when you know, a lot of times when you're going to the store and shopping, there's a lot of effort put into these products to sell them to you and have you buy more of them and have you constantly consume, consume them, right? Like, um, a lot of these food mag- manufacturers spend a lot of money on engineering, hiring scientists, designing food to just blow up the dopamine receptors in your brain. That's why you can't put down the Oreo cookies after you open up the bag. That's why you crush an entire bag of Doritos, right? That's why you finished the entire tub of ice cream. So a lot of these foods are designed to hack our brain. And it's designed for profitability, not health. Health. And I, and and that's the other thing I want to get to is, is helping people better navigate these, these areas, because I can help someone, you know, transition into a low carb diet. I can help someone transition to carnivore or keto, whatever it is, but, you know, I'll still get text messages when someone's at the store, you know, and they've got two different salad dressings and they send me a pic and say, Hey Max, which one would you, which one do you think is better? So I think the bigger thing is if we kind of zoom out a little bit is helping people better understand what's in their food, what it does to their body, you know, and what's really behind a lot of these food manufacturers and how the system is designed, because really it's not designed for our health, even the health food that says health or gluten-free whatever, <clears throat> you know, I'm sure you would agree with this. Even a lot of the keto treats and su- and, and things like that, they, they still do contain a lot of ingredients that might not be the best. Now, I think a lot of the keto treats are 100% better substitutes for a lot of the other foods that someone could be eating. And that's how I look at keto treats is a substitution right, for something worse. But I think the bigger thing here is helping people understand like what's in our food, how our food system is designed. And if they understand that, then they can go shopping for themselves, for their family, and have a have a better way to navigate that and buy food for their family and just eat more sustainably and healthily for the rest of their lives, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I think that's really well said. Um, and do you think everyone needs to be on a carnivore or keto diet or how do you <laughs> view these diets as, as a coach?
1: Yeah. Great question. No, I don't think everyone needs to be on... Um, a carnivore diet or a strict carnivore diet. Does that diet work? Well, it depends, right? It depends on the individual hundred percent. Um, so I'll give like maybe a couple examples. So like uh, a guy that I was training, uh, within this last year, he was, he was pretty sedentary, uh, gamer. Um, he wasn't working out. He was drinking tons of monsters, didn't have the best diet. and. What we did was we actually utilized almost like a dirty keto diet to get him in the door. But I knew we were going to have to work with him and transition him out of that diet. Right. But what it does, but, but what happened was it kind of got our foot in the door, it got him used to the diet. And then what we did is we transitioned him to a cleaner keto approach. And then what happened was he hit a plateau, which is normal. Everyone's going to hit a plateau, especially if they have like 50, 175 pounds to lose. If, there, if weight loss is the goal, your, your your body will naturally plateau. But that is the beauty of using a lot of these different low-carb variations is because as you hit certain plateaus, you can introduce new variations. Because what's happening really when you're losing weight is your body's just trying to figure out what's going on. It's adapting to. The amount of energy you're taking in or the amount of energy that you're exp- expending. And your body's just essentially doing a lot of recalibrating, right? So as you hit a certain plateau, what we did with this man, uh, with this gentleman was we took him off the dirty keto plan and we put him on a cleaner approach, but we did like a two to one protein to fat ratio. So his protein was higher than his fat. And that actually moved him past this plateau and he lost uh, an additional 30 pounds and he, he's lost like 75. He lost like 75 pounds in six months, but he hit that plateau halfway through. So when I say like a two to one protein to fat ratio, like a good example of that would be, you know, going, uh, leaner on the meats, right? Because sometimes people might run into some digestive issues when the fat content is really, really high, like on a ribeye, for instance. So like a good example on two to one protein to fat would be like, uh, like four to five eggs and then throw in some diced chicken breasts in there. So the ultimate, the macros might come out to 50 or 60 grams of fat, or 50 or 60 grams of protein, but the the fat content was 25 to 30. So what that, what the reason why he was plateauing in the first place, right, because he lost enough body fat, but because the body was recognizing that too much fat was coming in externally, we had to drop the fat again, and he was able to move past the plateau and you know now he's now, he, now he's doing great right um, but that that's just one example so to maybe go back to the question i don't think if someone comes to me and they've got 100 pounds to lose and they want to go on a strict carnivore diet i'm not going to tell them no because i know it will work right but what i am going to help them understand and what i'm also going to do is set the correct expectations because if they have zero experience with low carb or zero experience with keto and they heard Sean Baker talking about carnivore diet on on a on a podcast, and they reach out to me and they want me to help them like transition them into into one. I'm going to help them self set the right expectations because it's going to be hard going because the carnivore diet is the ultimate elimination diet. That's one of the reasons why it works so well. But an, a, a, someone that's got a lot of weight to lose that doesn't have a lot of experience with trying other diets, they that that's sometimes just a hard step to skip to, right? So sometimes. We'll transition him out on the diet, and if he's having trouble getting into it, we might have to bring in some other low carb tools, right? We might have to play around with some ketogenic factors just to make things give him a little bit more variety, and then bring him back to like a more strict carnivore diet. That that's where he ultimately want to goes to. But you know, that's just another example. And if someone comes to me and says, "Hey, you know, I have all of these autoimmune issues, digestive uh, disorders, uh, psoriasis, whatever the case is, inflammatory conditions." we're going straight to like a strict carnivore diet, right? Because I know what that's going to be able to do is allow us to eliminate the majority of the foods potentially causing those issues. And then if they want to, as they start to feel better, if they want to start playing around with adding things in, we just have to be, we just have to make sure we're being aware of and keeping track of what we're adding back in to see what could potentially be causing the issue that was happening in the first place. If that make sense? So again, I, I looked at all these diets and Almost think of them as being like a carpenter with a with a massive tool belt, being ready to to utilize each different tool, you know, depending on the circumstance, the individual, what the goal is, and all the other situations that that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I think that's really intelligent viewing it. these diets as a tool um, that can work, and also. Um, one thing I, I wanted to hear your perspective is on is how diets evolve over time for individuals and you, your own experience trying carnivore and OMAD and um, how you think things change over time.
1: Yeah, th- that's a great question. I think at 100% depends on the individual and what's going on, right? And, and I think I know a lot of your audience eats carnivore or strict carnivore. And again, I, I go back to, to Brett, the thankful carnivore, just because I, I just remember that podcast just being so, uh, incredibly amazing, but I would never, t- I would never change someone like that off, off of, off of how they're eating, right. If what is working for them and, and if it's happy and it and if it's consistent with their life, you know. I would never change the diet unless they, someone like that came to me and said, Hey, you know, this is what's changed in my own life. These are the thing. This is like my new goal. This is what I'd like to get down to. These are my workout goals. Then we might look at changing some things, but someone like that, I would never change. But let's say someone that's like, you know, in their mid thirties or forties, they're eating strict carnivore and the diet works. It's incredibly convenient. You know, they don't have to think about food like myself when I was, when I first found the diet. Um, you know, life will throw you curveballs, like I was saying earlier, right? You might get another job where you have to travel, right? You you might your wife might get pregnant with another baby. Oh hopefully it's yours. <laughs> you know? And so you're 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 in the uh you're in the situation where your your life changes. And sometimes the specific diet that you're on, it might not be as convenient as it once was because you know, you're know you waking up multiple times with a baby, whatever the case is, you're traveling more for, for work. So the beauty of getting a good handle on all these different low-carb varieties is you can eat healthily and sustainably and, and make it work for your life based off what your life is throwing at you, right? So for, in, for me, for example, after I did essentially like an OMAD carnivore ish diet for about a year, I started getting into other things, right? I dropped the weight. I felt amazing. And I wanted to do other things. Like for instance, I wanted to run a half marathon. So my my output in terms of my energy output started to change a little bit. Eating one meal a day wasn't really working for me anymore. So what I had to do, even though again it was the most convenient diet ever, um, as my, my workout and my athletic performance goals started to change, I just had to, I just had to eat more food. Right. And as my workout goals started to change, I needed to increase my protein and make sure I wasn't lo- losing, you know, any sort of muscle mass. So my, so I just basically added in, and it was really easy. I added in a second meal. Um, and it, it's kind of funny because I post this on Instagram. Like I, now I, I basically eat two meals a day, but my, my lunch is pretty much the same thing every day and it's burger patties and I love them, right? Because they're, I'm a big fan of frozen burger patties because I'm a big fan of whatever's, you know, uh, f- simple, efficient, and effective, right. And what's also tastes good, but I'm a big fan of frozen burger patties from Costco because you, you store them, store them in the freezer, right? You can cook 10, 12 out a time. You've got a meal, you know, three days worth of food if you want it super convenient. Right. And that's my lunch and that's how I eat now. And then I'll, you know, eat, you know, steak, eggs, ground beef, whatever it is for, for dinner. Um, but I, I had to make sure I was aware of my performance goals because my diet had to adjust. So it's kind of like the same thing with, with anybody else, right. Um, as your, your interests change, right. Your job changes, your life changes, you know, you, who knows, maybe, maybe you, you want to get into you know ketogenic bodybuilding well that's a completely different uh car- that's a completely different macronutrient breakdown than carnivore right so as your interests change i think the beauty of all these different low carb variations is again they can change with you but you are you are still able to maintain the clear cognitive abil- abilities that we all love with these low carb diets right you we can still maintain the fluid energy that we have throughout the day the nice digestion the the good sleeping all of those things we can still maintain throughout all these different low carb variations. Um, and that's why I think it's so important to just learn how to wield them all because as your life changes, the diet's going to change with it. And so, so you're unable to eat sustainably. Um, being able to wield them is what's going to help people just travel throughout their entire life and, and, and eat the way they want to eat, keep the weight off and feel amazing.
0: Yeah. I think that's a great point. Having these tools in your tool belt as you navigate different scenarios, different people, um, it's clear that you've, you've done a lot of helping people, Max, and, and really appreciate you sharing, uh, this wisdom with us. Um, and thank you to the audience for listening as well. Where can people find you? And, um, I'll have links to everything in the show notes
1: as well. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just big on Instagram. Um, my handle is, uh, the low carb consultant or at the low carb consultant on Instagram. I, I did have a, I did have a question for you, Scott, because yeah, I, please. yeah, I, I remember listening to one of your episodes and I can't remember how long ago this was. And I know your, your, your wife, I believe is a pretty strict carnivore, but mm-hmm. you know, I I've, I've noticed with myself bringing fruit back in. And I know this is kind of potentially a touchy subject with some strict carnivores because, you know, we see guys like Paul Saladino you know, bringing, bringing fruit back into his diet and some, some carb sources, you know, it looks like Sean Baker is still staying strong with, you know, his, his, his steaks for the majority of his meals. But I, I think pretty sure I heard you bring or mention that you were bringing fruit back into the diet or, or a small carb source. And I was just curious to see how you have felt doing that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Happy to share. So I first thing I'll say is I never wanted this podcast to be about like what is Scott eating or what is Scott's diet. Sure. Um, it, I, I hope it's clear that it's very much about the guests um, sure. and about the carnivore community. And even, regardless of what I eat, I'm very supportive of carnivore diet, and I think it's it's has great applications for a lot of people. And I wouldn't recommend if someone just like you said with with Brett as the example, someone is thriving on carnivore or is coming with certain digestive issues. I think carnivore is the great place to start and a great place to remain for many people. For myself personally, um, I started to run into problems with strict carnivore diet, which I did um, for three years, very strictly um, in that I could not um, digest more than 150 grams of fat per day sustainably. Mm-hmm. Um, for more than two weeks on end, regardless of fat source suet etc and yeah. I also need um, you know close to four thousand calories just to maintain my body weight um, so what that if you do the math on that that's like three thousand calories of protein if you're not eating any carbs um, which ha- which can have a lot of deleterious effects it can make you have to pee all the time you're constantly <laughs> sweating you know yeah. protein is not really a energy source. It's, it's a building block. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's perfectly fine to overeat protein, but it's not a great idea to be constantly getting you know 75% of your caloric intake from protein, um, yeah. especially if your caloric intake is 4,000 calories a day. So for that reason, I, I started slowly reintroducing carb sources um, in a very systematic and controlled way, following basically the whole 30 reintroduction system. Um, And yes, I started with bananas um, because someone recommended that to me for, for helping with my sleep. Um, And yeah, I, and, you know, I, I've also done really, really well with berries. Um, I think what's probably more important, more helpful than my own personal journey and my perspective is, you know, other carnivores I've observed and helped um, ones that did want to add more foods, not saying you have to, but did want Mm -hmm. to, or. Or thought it would be helpful for them, um, you know, strawberries and berries seem to be the most benign um, and, and do well for most folks. Raspberries can be a little hit or miss because they're higher in fiber, uh, but strawberries seem to be really, really basic.
1: So, so the the reason why I asked in the first place was was because I had played around with bringing fruit back into my diet, and I, I had basically gone years without eating any fruit, right? Whether it was berries or um, oranges, apples, whatever the case was. But, you know, um, I had played around with just because my exercise was, you know, getting uh, my output was getting so high. I was saying, Hey, you know what? Like I might just play around with bringing in some oranges back into the diet, like after a long run or whatever. But what I started to notice just, this is just me personally. And this is why I asked is because I started to get hungry the next day early in the morning. And if I had fruit the day before it was 100% by like, by like nine or 10 in the morning, I was like getting hunger pains. And personally, like, I didn't like that because one of the reasons why I loved the carnivore approach or the carnivore ish approach so much was because I could literally go, you know, wake up in the morning, have some coffee, boom, start working, not think about food all day long. But the, but once I started bringing some some certain fruits back into the diet, I started noticing that I was getting hungry a lot earlier on. So mm-hmm. i was cu- curious yeah. to see if, if if you had dealt with that. But it sounds like you were you were bringing fruit in from a, a, a bunch of different reasons other than yeah. other than my own. But I I did notice with berries, I can do okay with berries. But for for instance, here's kind of a funny example. Like my kids for uh for dinner, they'll eat like those um those grass fed uh, beef hot dogs from, from Costco. I think they're called like Teton ranch or, or something like that. They're absolutely delicious, but they'll have that. And those, those little mandarin oranges, they're called cuties, mm, yep. but, but, but those things pack, they they're, they're, they're fruit, but there's a lot of sugar if yeah. you had those. And so what will happen is my kids will eat their, their meat and you know, they won't, they'll eat a little bit of the orange and not throw it away. And, uh, I'm looking at that thing and I'm just saying like, well, that a, it looks delicious. B I don't want to waste it. So I eat it. But the problem is then I'm hungry the next day. So I'm just, I I was just curious to see, like, if you've noticed anything with that.
0: Yeah, certainly. I think, especially, um, if someone isn't, I mean, the point on children, I can't specifically comment, but, um, just in general, people who have been eating carnivore for a long time, um, having even a small amount of carbs can really spike, spike your appetite. Um, I found that with people reintroducing food and can also affect your energy levels. Um, This is mostly a product of uh, metabolic inflexibility. Um, Your body isn't used to managing blood glucose and carbs. And actually after um, I think it's like 14 days, I heard somewhere in some study um, your, your body becomes much more adapted to it. So as I was reintroducing carbs myself, I was getting massive blood sugar swings, energy highs and lows, weird appetite signals, um, but Mm. it leveled out uh, fairly quickly.
1: Very cool. Very cool.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks. Yeah, interesting questions. And thanks again for coming on, Max. Really appreciate your time.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Scott. Thanks for having me. If you enjoy the show,
0: please consider supporting the Carnivore Cast on Patreon. By becoming a patron, you'll help us reach more people and continue to create content on Carnivore. There are also exclusive perks available, such as private Q&As, consultations with me, and more. Become a supporter at patreon.com carnivorecast. Check the episode description for the link. Thank you, and I'll see you there. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Carnivorecast. If you enjoyed this episode, please review on iTunes. It really helps us out. And share it with a friend. What questions would you like answered or who would you like to hear from in the carnivore research community? You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at CarnivoreCast or go to CarnivoreCast.com. You can also email me at info at CarnivoreCast.com. I'd love to hear from you. Until next time, keep it carnivore.